The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third and seven at the 23. Rudolph with time. Looking for the end zone. It is Martin Manley with a touchdown. Gavante Martin Manley on a rope from Jake Rudolph. In front. What a throw by Rudock, and the degree of difficulty on that catch was about 10 times higher than the one two throws ago. Jake Rudock and Cavante Martin Manley and Rudock with a strong throw, and now Martin Manley with a catch in 27 of his last 28 games and a touchdown for Iowa. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's road win at Purdue, and he previews the upcoming game against the Michigan Wolverines. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of the reporters' notebook shows this week. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Glenn Mason. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's steamrolling of the Purdue Boilermakers in West Lafayette, and he previews the Michigan game, and he also talks senior day. Marv, your overall thoughts from the win over Purdue? Iowa just overpowered the Boilermakers, and they finally got uh, some solutions to their second half and fourth quarter anemic offenses. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of a highlight film for offensive linemen. I mean, if you want to show how to run run block and, and be effective and get downfield. I mean, that's a, that was about as a textbook as you're going to find watching our guys, you know, basically push their guys, you know, five, ten yards downfield and really open up some incredible running lanes for our running backs. And obviously, Kanzeri is showing a continued spark that he showed the week prior. And so it's uh, a good step in the right direction as far as the running game goes, getting better. That uh, game made Iowa Bowl eligible, and it was also the 300th Big Ten win in the team's history. But probably more importantly right now in terms of the team's progress, it was the third road win this this year, and that's the most since they won four on the road in 2009. Yeah, and, and you, know, you can never take any win for granted. You, know, you never want to take victories for you know for granted. So it's uh, you know Purdue's obviously struggling. They're, they're you know playing as many true freshmen as they are. It's good that they're in for a, a tough year, and, and fortunately for Iowa, they were able to take advantage of it and, and do enough to get the victory. I mean, it wasn't early. You know, it wasn't pretty early, 14-7 and a half. That's not uh, kind of what you would expect. But ultimately, they you know came out in the second half and continue to roll and get their offense going and score more points. So um, you know, good to get a win and get out of there. 
and, and move on and, and have the bye week and get ready for Michigan. Offensively, they had season highs in several categories, first downs, total yards, rushing yards. Actually, it's the most rushing yards since uh, 2002 in the Minnesota game that year. They were 5-5 five of five in the red zone, four TDs and one field goal, which was a big improvement in terms of finishing drives. And Jake Rudock certainly didn't look like he had any leftover problems from his knee sprain from the week before. Yeah, you know, this continues to uh, develop. I'm still a young guy, but, you know, to come out and, and to have that setback with the with the knee injury and then to still just com- play with complete confidence and poise and, you know, continue to lead the offenses. I mean, it's just we're watching this, you know, young man mature in front of our eyes, and it, you, you do get the benefits almost seen a weekly, and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Once again, he spread uh, the ball around quite a bit. Seven different receivers caught passes. A second quarter pass where he threaded the needle to Martin Manley. That was that was really pretty on both ends of that. And that was his 14th TD pass of the year to go along with uh, five rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, statistically, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing difference a year can make. I mean, I, I really, you know, I was always a big fan of Vandenberg, but I just remember the struggles we had as far as creating touchdown passes uh, in our offense. And so ultimately, it's great to see that. And, and um, you know, it is the next step of, you know, following up a good running game is now having a good intermediate passing game and, and finding those seams in there. And he's got the arm strength. You know, he's, the other thing is he's got the arm strength to really throw the ball effectively in the fall, you know, in, you know, October, November. And he's showing that, that he's got the ability to throw a little zip in it and, and keep it from getting moved in the wind. And so it's he's definitely a great find for Iowa. And he's everything that's been advertised for sure. To your point, that was the eighth touchdown pass of his that was more than 20 yards. And in, in last year, you mentioned the struggles the offense had and, and, you know, a lot of talk about the wide receivers not being able to create separation. So at least that's uh, better. You uh, mentioned Jordan Canzeri. That was a career game for him. He averaged over eight and a quarter yards a carry and uh, racked up 165 yards on 20 different carries. Very impressive performance for him, and he seemed really well suited, at least in that game, for Iowa's zone running plays. Yeah, and it's unique in that, you know, you got Mark Wiseman who's going to be get to give you the tough yards in between the tackles, you know, and if there's if there's not much there, he's going to be able to get you two or three, and, and then once he gets to the next level, that's when he's going to get hit, and, you know, he's going to gain another yard or two where Kanzari now, with these huge lines, is able to get to the secondary, get to the next level, and now he can shake these guys and make them miss and create, you know, bigger plays down the field, so a good complement of running backs, but I, you know, I thought Kanzari really showing a spark, a really a good burst that really kind of stresses defenses and makes them aware that he's back there, and, you know, that's going to help our, our passing game as well as our running game going forward. Ference has talked about, since that performance by Kanzari, and how could he be buried that far down on the depth chart, the fact that, and something that you've talked about a lot, is that a back like Wiseman or even Bullock, because of Iowa's running scheme, takes a lot of beating through the season, and, and Ference talked about, well, a big part of what Kanzari did last week had to do with fresh legs. Yeah, and we, we you know, we have talked about it. I mean, being a linebacker or running back, you're going to get hit every snap from multiple people, and, you know, you're getting hit in the legs a lot, you're getting hit in the hips, you know, the knees and ankles, and it's, I mean, it, it just takes a toll, and it's, as much as you want to think you can recover in five, six days, you know, especially when, you know, Wiseman was getting 25, 28, 30 carries in those early four, five week, you know, week three, four, five, I mean, it just, it does take a toll, and, and you don't have the ability to, to, to you know, just have that, that, that freshness, you know, that fresh leg, you know, where you just feel kind of, you know, frisky to some extent, and, and that's what Kanzari's bringing to the table right now. To switch gears here just a little bit, Scott Docterman, who's on our shows regularly, and among others, has been critical of uh, one aspect of Greg Davis's uh, passing schemes, and that is that few, if any, Iowa receivers seem to run underneath crossing patterns, and often no one is inside 
inside the hash marks past the line of scrimmage. Can you talk about that a little bit? Do you see the same thing? And isn't that, aren't those kinds of plays particularly well-suited for tight ends? Yeah, they, they definitely are. And, and a lot of times if you're getting any man at all, you want to run rubs and uh, not picks. I said rubs, right? So you're running off guys on the on the umpire. You're running off guys on the other guy running across it. Man, those are five-yard completions that can become 50-yard touchdowns. Uh, you know, I think I think they're, they're running a lot of boots in this direction with, with that kind of is a crosser. It's a deeper crosser, but they're not running any true drives that I've seen with any, you know, consistency as far as, you know, you're going to run up three or four times a game because it's there. Like I said, everything that we've got right now is based off of play action, in my opinion, or everything. We run the ball so effectively that that is the next step in the passing game is you fake the play action or fake the run. Now you got the boot action off or you got a deep comeback off or something like that or a deep crosser. Part of the problem with the hard play action is, guess where those backers are stepping up? You know, they're stepping up right into the line and then they're backing out and they're getting right in the way of the crossers. The only time crossers really are effective is if the linebackers are just either blitzing full out or they're just dropping to get underneath stuff. So I think part of our problem and the reason we don't run a lot of crossers may just because our running game is so good that the linebackers are getting so involved. And you got eight guys. I mean, a lot of times people are putting eight guys down in the box to stop the run and then when they don't run, then now those, you know, four or five of those guys are dropping out to, to get in the pass and there they are sitting right there. Defensively against Purdue, Iowa dominated as expected. They only gave up seven points when it really mattered and that was on a short field after a fumble. They had nine tackles for loss, including two sacks. I don't care who you're playing. That's fairly impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's getting after it. And, you know, I mean, I, unfortunately for Purdue, I had heard, heard some staggering statistics about red zone and, and scoring and, and getting across midfield. It's been, you know, I, I think someone said that they hadn't done it since mid-October or something. So it's been a while since they've done something statistically. Uh, and that's what happens when you play five true freshmen in the Big Ten. Defensively, I thought our guys are, I say this about them, and I mean it in a during way. I think they're tough. I think they're a bunch of tough guys. And, and they just love to compete and get after you. Yeah, not necessarily flashy, but the D-line in particular, guys like Mike Hardy and Louis Trinka-Passat played really well in that game and have played better and better as the season's progressed. A lot of that's just effort. You know, it's just want to. It's just, you know, you, you, you I think you painted a great picture of uh, Passat chasing down quarterback. I mean, he just he just wants to get there in the worst way. I mean, he, you know, he's like the Tasmanian devil to some extent. He's just going to go crazy in there until he gets to the football. And that's, and that's what it takes. You know, especially some guys, if you're a little bit undersized, you got to use whatever strength and skill set you have to, to get to the football, and I think he does. He, he maximizes that. And I think I think that's what all these guys are doing. They're, they're maximizing their strength and, and making them positive things for them. We keep talking about it. The Iowa's three linebackers, stellar again. And one interesting note there, Hitchens caused a fumble that Kirksey recovered. Iowa's linebackers through the Purdue game have now accounted for seven turnovers this year. The ball hawks, athleticism. At some point, you always talk about, wow, is he lucky to always be in the right spot and all that, but that, that's just athleticism. You know, when, you, when you're fast and you get to the ball and you're around the football, good things are going to happen for your defense. And, and we, we're blessed to have three of those guys. That that's, that's exactly what they do. After the Big Ten update, Marv previews the Legends Division clash in Kinnick Stadium with Michigan, and he talks about the meaning of Senior Day as a Hawkeye. It's really good stuff. Stay tuned. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on, up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet! Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. 
In our Big Ten update this week, Michigan State's victory at Nebraska cleared up the race for the Legends Division title and, barring a bizarre combination of events, sends the Spartans to the conference championship game to face leaders division lock Ohio State. That's also Michigan State's second division crown in the last three seasons. Ohio State's win over Illinois in Champaign last weekend extended their consecutive victory streak to a program record 22 games. As of now, that's the fifth longest winning streak in Big Ten history, and it continues as the nation's longest active winning streak. The Buckeyes remain one of only six undefeated teams left in the FBS, as debate accelerates at this point in the season as to which teams most deserve to be in the BCS title game. It's also clear at this point in the season that, by far, the conference's three strongest teams are the Buckeyes, Wisconsin, and Michigan State, not necessarily in that order, though. A Spartans-Ohio State matchup in the title game could be a classic, a terrific defense facing off against an explosive offense. Key matchups this week include Iowa hosting Michigan in a game that could have significant impact on Big Ten bowl slotting, and right now these two teams are tied for fourth in the Legends division with 3-3 three and three records. Wisconsin plays at Minnesota. The question there is whether the Gophers can continue their somewhat magical run without a lot of active involvement from head coach Jerry Kill. The other two games to keep an eye on Saturday, Penn State hosts Nebraska before the Cornhuskers return to Lincoln to play the Hawkeyes on Black Friday, and Michigan State at Northwestern to see if there's yet another heartbreaking way the Wildcats can lose this year. Two trophy games will be played Saturday. The Badgers and Gophers play for the Paul Bunyan Axe, which currently resides in Madison, and in the Who Cares game, Illinois plays at Purdue for the Purdue Cannon. In terms of individual stats and national rankings of interest to Hawkeye fans this week, team rankings include Iowa's 12th in scoring defense, Michigan is 13th in rushing defense, the Hawkeyes rank 25th in that category, Iowa's 9th in total defense, while the Wolverines are 19th, and Michigan is 13th in interceptions on the year. They have a total of 13, which is the same number that Nebraska has. Individual rankings of note include Michigan's Fitzgerald Toussaint is 11th in rushing touchdowns with 11, while his teammate Jeremy Gallon is 11th in average receiving yards per game at 106.2. Four conference teams continue to appear in the national polls. Ohio State continues to sit at either third or fourth. Most importantly, the Buckeyes are third in the BCS rankings. Michigan State's moved up to 13th in all four polls. Wisconsin is ranked between 16th and 19th, and Minnesota has now appeared in all but the AP rankings. Nebraska dropped out of all four after its latest loss. And broadcast school has really paid off. They get the playoff with three on the play clock, and Moster fumbles the football. Scooped up at the 30-yard line by the Hawkeyes. Christian Kirksey, I believe, at the bottom of the pile has that football. Well, they go to an unbalanced formation. They go with a base play, and, you know, he's got the ball covered up with two hands on it, but I don't know how it came out, but they got it out. And Kirksey able to recover it, and Iowa turns Purdue away. The Hawkeyes with the ball and a touchdown lead.
just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Next, Marv Cook talks about the Michigan game and about the meaning of Senior Day. Looking ahead to Michigan now, it's Iowa's last home game of the season coming off their second bye week, which I think came at a good time, and it's senior day. The Wolverines come into this game after a three-overtime win at Northwestern, although the Wildcats did drop a whole bunch of uh, interceptions in that game. But Michigan struggled this season on both sides of the ball from time to time. They defeated Minnesota earlier, as Iowa did. They also defeated Notre Dame in non-conference play. They're tied now at fourth in the Legends division at 3-3 three and three with Iowa. You've been in Michigan Stadium this year to watch a game. Ken, what's your sense of the Wolverine struggles and how might that play out against the Hawkeyes this I, I think a lot of it, honestly, is, is Big Ten football. You know, you're going to play in October, November. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be windy. It's going to be breezy. And you got to line up and you got to be able to get three yards. And that's, you know, the old Big Ten motto. And, and it's in the trenches. It's offensively and defensively in the trenches. And, and so I, Michigan's got a left tackle that looks like a beast. I mean, he's a big, athletic, physical guy. And as we were watching the announcements of the players, you know, a couple of these guys are like mechanical engineers and biophysical whatever. I mean, it's just like they're taking classes I can't even pronounce, and they're brilliant young men. But you know, they're just in, in from California, and they're just not Midwest guys. That, like have been on the farm, baled hay, and moved rocks, and done all that stuff. And it's just, and it comes down to just you got to be able to move guys and, and and be physical and and run block. And I think it plays to Iowa's strengths. You know, Michigan's got athletic guys, and they're going to run athletic schemes at you. But it's like watching Oregon and Stanford. That at some point you got to line up and protect your turf and run three yards, get three yards offensively, and, and I think that plays to Iowa's strengths more than it does the Michigan. Yeah, to strength. your point there, their starting quarterback Devin Gardner really hurt Iowa last year. Three touchdowns passing, three touchdowns running, and he's second overall in the Big Ten so far this season in total offense, but Michigan's offensive line, young, inexperienced, whatever, has given up 31 sacks already this year, 19 in the last three games. Now, compared to Iowa, the Hawkeyes have only given up nine sacks all season. You know, here, here's part of the problem with having a really athletic quarterback. A lot of times they think they can make plays, extend plays with their legs, and that's going to create more sacks. The other element is I think they've been playing some, some pretty quality opponents in Nebraska. I think Michigan State was in there as well, and, and, and that's going to lead to more sacks as well. But they're not clicking right now, and, and you know, I mean, they put up huge numbers against Indiana, but it seems like everybody's kind of done that. And So, I mean, they're offensively, they're kind of looking for their identity and, and really trying to get some tracks, and they're not, they don't have that same kind of uh, MO that Iowa has where they definitely know who they are. So, I think, you know, they're still a work in progress. The, the, the scary thing is, is all those guys that we talked about are incredibly athletic. I mean, every one of those guys can make plays, and it's just a matter of if they're able to make more plays than the, the team they're playing against. So we got to make sure we can keep containing their athletic guys. Yeah, their athletic guys include their wide receiver, Jeremy Gallon, who's second in the Big Ten in receiving yards a game, and he already has seven TDs. But they have a, a young tight end, Marv, named Devin Funches, yep. who's got five receiving touchdowns, 684 yards in receptions already, which is, as hard as this may 
may be to believe that's the most in Michigan history for a tight end in a single season. That is amazing. I, I did not. I would have thought. I would have thought that that was no way that was the case. But yeah, he, he's, a, he's a really talented guy. Real long, linear guy. Long arms. Great hands. You know that tweener guy between uh, you know, the ability to play tight end, but then also split out in the in the slot and, and get on the edge and create mismatches out there if they need him. So you know, definitely a guy you got to account for. Not a great run blocking guy. You know, if you put a, a lineman over him or a linebacker over him, he's not. You know, that's not his strength. But he's he's very very talented, gifted guy. Gallon. I really like uh, Gallon. I think he's an incredible receiver. Reminds me a lot of a, a you know kind of a Desmond Howard. You know, looks like a running back almost, but a very very effective. Great hands, catches the ball with his hands all the time, and and can make plays after the catch. So you know, definitely guys we got to pay attention to. They're a little bit unsettled at running back. Uh, Fitz Toussaint is is back again. He missed last week against Northwestern due to a concussion. They've got two true freshmen who stepped up in that game against the Wildcats, but I can't imagine that Bo Beckler or even somebody like Lloyd Carr would appreciate the fact that Michigan is 11th in the Big Ten and rushing and 96th in the FBS. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, one of the things I noticed right away was just, you look at the guys up front, and, and you'll see it when you when you see them. I mean, they're, they're, they're big guys, but they're just not physically mature yet as far as 22-year-old man would be that's 300 pounds or 290 or whatever, and and it just, it's, it's tough to move guys, and if you can't move guys, you know, I mean, I'm talking about moving them two feet, just moving them back, get them on their heels a little bit, you're going to have trouble running the football. And key, you know, one of the keys for me will just be watching, you know, what side of the line of scrimmage are we playing on? Are we playing on their side or our side? If, if Michigan's able to, to create some momentum and, and create a little punch through there, then, you know, it could bode well for Michigan's running game, but I just don't see it happening. On defense, the Wolverines are more or less in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten this year, but they do have a very good rushing defense. They're fourth in the conference. They're only giving up 111 yards a game. Pretty physical up front. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're athletic up front. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're front seven are basically guys that can really, you know, athletically get after you, cause problems from that speed, quickness standpoint. I don't see anybody that can really line up and, and smack you. They got the the linebacker that had the knee injury last year's back. It's a good edge guy. Uh, you know, kind of reminds me a lot of a James Morris, to be honest with you. But but ultimately, I you know, our 300-pound guys versus their 280, 275, I, I, I like the matchup on Iowa. They're 10th in passing defense in the conference, but they have a pretty good defensive backfield in spite of that. They, they have 13 picks overall. They're two starting defensive backs have combined for seven, and their safety has another three. Yeah, and the one thing, it's, it's, you always hear coaches talking about recruiting. Michigan's going to get in the four- and five-star kids. I mean, they're going to get the four, the elite players that have all the uh, the publicity coming out of high school, uh, the notoriety. So you're going to get athletic guys in the skilled positions. And it's just a matter of whether they can play together and, 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 and play Big Ten football. And, and there is enough athleticism back there that when the ball's in the air, they're going to make plays on it. But it's just, that's where if I would get its running game going, keep them off guard, get them, get them down in the mix. Trust me, most defensive backs don't want to be down taking on backs and fullbacks and tight ends. And if we can get the ball in those guys' hands and get them to the next level, and it'll put a lot of stress on that secondary. Uh, Iowa comes into this game defensively. They're holding most of their opponents under their rushing averages, and Michigan's already struggling in terms of that aspect of their game. So I'm sure that the Hawkeyes will try to make Michigan even more one-dimensional and try to make them uh, beat them by passing, if possible. Yeah, and that's you know that's the that's the double-edged sword. I mean, I think we always want to make teams one-dimensional. You want to take away their run and force them to pass. That is, you know, how Devin. I mean, that's how Michigan beat Indiana. I mean, it was, they they scored 55 points. So if it turns into a track meet, Michigan can, Michigan can do that. You know, we've got to make sure that we just continue to control it, clamp it up, keep him in the pocket, make him throw from the pocket, and then always be aware of where you know Funchess and, and Gallon is. And if we got to, if we do that, you know, we'll have a good chance. They're going to make plays. I mean, they're going to they're athletic enough. They're going to make plays against. It's just a matter of whether we can minimize it, keep the ball in front of us, and not let it get get extended into the end zone. Offensively for Iowa, 
is even though the Hawkeyes have had several games where they've been way out of balance in terms of run pass, on the season as a whole, they've scored 27 offensive touchdowns, 14 by pass, 13 by rush, and net yards passing 2,040, rushing uh, 1,939, only 101 yards difference there. So how do you think Iowa's offense is going to match up with Michigan's defense, and what would you be looking for there? I mean, the key for me is just if, you, if you're seeing if you're seeing our guys on their guys and in the in the line of scrimmage being moved back at all, you're going to see Iowa having a very very successful day. Now, if you see penetration, if you see Michigan guys getting in our backfield, bowing things, making things bounce, then that doesn't bode well for us because Michigan's athletic on the edge and they're going to get the ball and run it down. Where if we can get going downhill, north south, inside the tackles, uh, you know, and be seeing four, five, six yard runs at a time, it's going to play right into Iowa's strengths and, and cause Michigan problems, especially over the you know late third and early fourth quarter. So I mean that's my key. I just think it's going to be can we run the ball effectively? If we can, we're going to be in a great position. If we can't, it's going to be close game. Otherwise, uh, and then also just from that standpoint, making sure they're not getting huge plays, their running game, you know, traps and things, and they're not ripping off 30, 40 yard plays versus you know minimizing their big plays to 15 yard gains versus 60 yard touchdown. Prediction? I, I I just from the time I saw both these teams up close and personal, you just you realize, especially in November, it's going to be a tough physical football game, and, and I think Iowa right now is is at a great spot from just the way they're built and the way they they you know know who they're going to be and, and who they want to uh, or how they want to go about attacking defenses and I think it plays to Iowa's strength and I think November weather plays to Iowa's strength and it's you know I think it's Iowa's game to win. Before we close out here today let's spend just a couple of minutes talking about senior day. You hear coaches and players and their families talk about it. When you are in that position as a senior on the University of Iowa football team what are the emotions not just in the pregame ceremony when you're introduced when they have to be just running rampant but what about the week leading up to the game? Well, I think you start understanding, you know, as a 21, 22-year-old kid, at first, it's a, it's the first moment of realization that maybe football's going to come to an end sometime, to be honest with you. Um, and you start thinking about it. You start spending time dwelling on, oh my gosh, thinking of junior high and grade school and high school and, and the coaches and trainers and, you know, family members who have sacrificed and, and made commitments for you and helped you helped you keep pursuing your dreams and goals. And, and, and so many times you can get self-absorbed with me, 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 or I, 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 and for for me, it was it was that time where I just realized, oh my gosh, if I didn't have my third grade teacher, homeroom teacher, who, who asked me about my dreams and aspirations and my goals, and really took time to understand me and, and help me through it, you know, a tough time when my my parents had split, and, and said it's going to be okay. And a, and a coach that you know, when I was in seventh grade, asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and when I told him, didn't laugh at me about it, and how my life would have been different if if I didn't have those two people, if I didn't have my mom and my two brothers and their support, my grandmother making me breakfast every day when my mom would drop me off at, you know, before she went to work to help me gain weight to get to Iowa and, and be a good football player. I mean, it's it's that realization of, oh my gosh, it's, there's more to it than just me. And then also just the realization that to be a part of the Iowa football community and the Iowa football family is so uniquely special. And, and I hope, I truly hope people don't ever underestimate the power of Kinnick Stadium and having 70,000 people there uh, plus cheering and supporting them and, and, and what an honor that is to be a part of that because you know there's there's a lot of college stadiums that that aren't sitting with 40 to 50,000 people you know they're division one programs that aren't sitting with 40 50,000 people watching them play so it's just a, it's a it's an unbelievable time it's a time to come out and you actually see your loved ones sitting there waiting for you and you know you get to share that day with them and that moment with them and there's truly nothing like it hey is this heaven no it's Iowa 
First and goal at the three-yard line. Play action. Rudolph dumps it short, and a touchdown walking in for Jake Doozy. And the Hawkeyes celebrate the touchdown and likely the cherry on top of a chance to be bowl eligible. Vintage Iowa offense. Run left, run right, running naked. Maybe every once in a while, play action pass. Not that complicated. A 31-7 lead as Rudon finds the end zone through the air for the second time today. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll return for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.